Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 166 of the jimmystable.com podcast called From One Tribe, From Every Tribe, Nation, and Tongue. This is inspired not only by my own journey um, over the years in regard to the church and the relationship of the church to that of politics, um, and it's, it's a common thing of why I say and include in the intro to this podcast that I consider myself and identify as someone who's politically homeless. Um, but it's also also been inspired, this podcast today, by some conversations uh, that I've had with some friends recently, uh, including some who actually listen to this podcast. Um, so instead of just have, even though I've been having conversations individually with some of these friends and will continue to do so, uh, even before the recording of this podcast, I'm supposed to have such with a friend this evening. Um, who listens to this show? Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's just been this ongoing conversation that I have uh, in my church, in my small group, amongst friends. Um, so I thought it would be you know good to kind of record this out there, not only for the benefit of them who listen and who are my friends, uh, but maybe for you as well. Um, it, we especially for those of us who live in America, there's this great sense, um, and the data supports this up that there's an increasing polarization of the political body in America, um, more than ever, people are leaning to the left and the right, and on the extreme side of each. Um, and there's data to show that over the years, um, we used to be much more centered politically, and people had more in common politically than not. But now we're increasingly becoming tribalistic in our identities. We're becoming kind of separatist in our nature, very divisive. Um, and of course, you know, that's not to say that that doesn't come by some honest, um, awkward moments that people are kind of forced to embrace as, as our nation becomes increasingly political. Um, I've, I've often quoted it. I forget where the quote came from. I want to say that it was from Jonah Goldberg, uh, over at the remnant. If you ever listen to him, um, I could be wrong though, but, uh, there's a common saying that, well, I'm not sure a common saying, but there's a saying that goes um, that totalitarianism isn't when the government rules from a top-down sort of autocratic, you know, dictator-type manner, but that totalitarianism is when everything that you're involved with becomes political. And I think we see that in America especially. Um, you know, our jobs become political, um, you know, identifying with who can pee where, <laughs> uh, you know, what genders can shower together or not, uh, who can sleep together, who can marry together, um, what restaurants it's okay for you to eat at, um, what clothes lines it's okay for you to, to wear, um, what candidates you're supposed to support or not support, um, what foods you eat, the type of fuel you put in your car, um, just, just a whole host of issues 
um, have kind of become politicized, um, and maybe sometimes rightfully so, but in the politicization of a lot of these issues, um, a lot of people are starting to get, you know, just bent out of shape and saying, well, I can never, um, I can never hang out with people who are on the left or people who are on the right. And, and I have some friends of mine and know some people that like live in California and complain about the conditions in California, but they choose to continue to live in California because they could never move to a place like where I live in North Carolina uh, because, well, of politically polarized issues. They, they're, they're comfortable with their California life and the political climate over there, and they just feel North Carolina um, and places like it, um, even though they would gladly move here for a lot of different reasons, but they just find they can't ever move here because it's almost like it's this entirely different country. Um, and they, they just think, oh, that's the Bible Belt, and they lean so far conservative. Um, although I would say, like, in places where I live, like in Charlotte, um, you know, you get a pretty good blend of everybody, and it's not as conservative as uh, people might imagine. Um, but so you have this strong polarization where people are choosing to divide and not even being able to live in the same community as people who vote differently than them. So no wonder then this kind of mindset has creeped into the church because everything is now political. And therefore, since everything is now political, our politics is informing our theology and the uh, religious associations that we choose to make. Um, and the longer you've perhaps been in the church and seen these divides increase over the years, you've perhaps noticed that churches have become much more fractured politically and this is a reflection of what is happening in our culture. Um, so much so that some churches have decided to, to capture this sort of uh, division that is taking on politically. And um, this political polarization is ultimately not only dividing congregations, but some congregations are even going so far as to make the political polarization something that they can capitalize on in order to have a church growth strategy. So some churches are deliberately doubling down on being left-wing or right-wing um, and letting everybody know so that you can, you know, wave your freak flag everywhere and say, this is who we are. Um, and, you know, our theology and politics are left and right, uh, respectively. But that's making it very hard to then, therefore associate now um, with certain churches, because if you are no longer leaning hard left or hard right, um, all of a sudden you become kind of an outsider um, in a church that's supposed to be gathered around Jesus. And I see this as being inherently a major problem, um, especially from a theological perspective. In the book of Revelation, chapter 7, 9, we read about how all the nations of the world are gathered around the throne of Jesus to worship. And, and the, that passage, uh, John wrote that he saw a great multitude. That great multitude came from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Which is kind of an amazing statement to say that John in his revelation of, of, of Jesus sees people from every tribe, nation, and tongue gathered around the throne to worship Christ. That should challenge us, I believe, with where we are politically and our leanings and uh, things of that nature and the church. Because if we are becoming a church that is fractured around 
certain political leanings, well, you know, heaven's going to be awfully awkward. <laughs> I mean, it's already pretty awkward right now down here below, uh, here on earth, in which churches are starting to gather around certain political affiliations and, and ideals. Um, because John says in his vision that he sees a great multitude from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And we might sit there and think, oh, wow, okay, there's great, a great diversity of people in heaven and people from all over the world are going to heaven one day and that's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is made up of a bunch of people from all over the place. But when you sit there and think about that, though, you have to sit there and break that down. People from all over the place, all over the world with different cultures, different biases, different assumptions, different political leanings, different systems of government, different ways of thinking, um, different traditions. Some of them might live under a monarchy. Some of them might live under a dictatorship. Some of them might live under a socialized government. Some of them might live under a capitalized government. Some of them might be Republican. Some of them might be Democrat. Some of them might be libertarian. Uh, some of them might be communist. You know, a great multitude from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a world in which the kingdom of God exists and, and we truly gather around the throne of Jesus to worship? And that representation comes from every race, every ethnicity, every nation, every political leaning, every tradition, from the Sadducees, from the Pharisees, from the Essenes, from the Republicans, from the Democrats, from, from the blacks, from the whites, from the Chinese, from everybody. Our theology should inform our politics, my brothers and sisters, and not the other way around. But I think so often, especially in America, we start automatically filtering. Are you red or are you blue? Are you Trump or are you Biden? Are, do you believe in Second Amendment gun rights or do you believe in gun restrictions? And we kind of snide at one another and have the ability to no longer fellowship with one another because we're willing to divide over red or blue, over Biden or Trump, or over guns or restrictions, or over abortion or restrictions, and, and all sorts of issues related to these things. And increasingly, our churches start looking more monolithic, not only in racial makeup, but in political as well. And no longer do our churches look like they're from every tribe, nation, and tongue. But every church just looks like the local neighborhood. And the local neighborhood is increasingly one thing. Things ought not to be that way. Things ought not to be that way. We should be able to worship in a church where there's Republicans and Democrats and Libertarians and white people and black people and rich people and poor people. And that may make us uncomfortable because they may hold some beliefs about sort of political things or cultural things or ways of living that we all, as individuals, aren't ultimately comfortable with. Are you willing to suffer the discomfort of living and working together in a church as a community, as the kingdom of God, with a great multitude from every tribe, nation, and tongue? Or are you only willing to do such so as every tribe, nation, and tongue stays in their respective corner? 
Because I think we're increasingly becoming a people who no longer are willing to look at each other as brothers and sisters of, in Christ who are gathered around King Jesus, who love on our neighbors regardless of their affiliation or identity. And we're becoming increasingly polarized and increasingly making Jesus in our own image and our own likeness and allowing his kingdom to be overthrown for the, the kingdoms that just fester in our heart that we just can't let go of. A great multitude from every tribe, nation, and tongue is willing to suffer the discomforts of all the difficulties and messiness that comes from gathering with a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, of a people who don't speak the same language. And I know we'd love to be able to, to say, hey, you're, you're, you're speaking my language, you're my people. You know, you love tacos, you love coffee, you love Republicans, you love Democrats. You know, you're, you're saying the things that I like to hear and the ways that I like to, uh, them to be said. And, and you have mannerisms that remind me of me and, and you act like me, you look like me, you believe like me. We're all looking for this, this uh, sort of thing that we see in the book of Judges, in Judges chapter 12, about the Gileadites, Gileadites who were at war with the Ephraimites. Um, and, and this story in the book of Judges, if you were to read it in Judges chapter 12, the Gileadites and the Ephraimites were fighting against one another, um, and they were having experiences with fugitives and refugees who were trying to blend in with the other group. Uh, in order to blend in with the other group, they just thought they would just, you know, just blend in, look like everybody else, act like everybody else. But in the process, they figured, well, in the middle of this, even though we know that they kind of all look like us and act like us in many ways, there's this test we're going to use in order to, to, to weed out the, the, the pretenders here. And they simply asked, there's this one divisive word, this one, this one sort of little thing that they knew that one group couldn't say and that another group pronounced completely different. And that was a word called shibboleth. If you were of one tribe, you would say the word shibboleth one way. And if you were of another tribe, you would say it in a completely different way. The, ac the accent was different. You don't sound like you're from around here, do you? It's like the entire great debate between Duke's Mayonnaise and Miracle Whip. And while you may not consider that there to be a great debate between uh, Duke's Mayonnaise and Miracle Whip, it may be a settled matter for you, <laughs> you know, as to whether one is mayonnaise and which one is preferable. And of course, the correct answer is Miracle Whip. Uh, I know that's a controversial hot food take that maybe some of you may not be comfortable with. Um, or maybe some of you like Hellman's. What's wrong with you people? Uh, Hellman's is just disgusting. <laughs> but so there was this sort of acid test that one group was putting against the other, and they said, hey, say this funny word differently, or say this funny word, and let's hear how you pronounce it. Because if you pronounce this word, shibboleth, you know, in a certain way, well, we're just going to know uh, that you're different. It's kind of like how, uh, you know, in our culture, um, when it comes to white people and black people, how, you know, uh, you know, there's some differences in culture that we have kind of picked up on how, you know, people from white uh, America and black America may say the word ask, for example. Um, you know, if uh, somebody says the word ask, like ask, like I just did, uh, well, you know they're white, right? <laughs> but if you were to say ask, well, you know they're probably black. <laughs> 
And, you know, so we, we have our own little shibboleths uh, in this country. And some people, depending on where they stand with racial things and ethnic things, um, may say things like to uh, black people who say uh, the word ask, if they say it like I just did, well, they're going to say, well, you're acting white. Or if I were to say it like ask, well, you, you would infer maybe I was acting black and whatever that means to you. Um, and I only say this, of course, just as a cultural observation. I'm not saying one's the correct way to do it over another or uh, to play into any sort of uh, particular racial stereotypes you may have. But this is just a cultural observation that I kind of make to say, hey, you know, they had this sort of thing in Judges chapter 12 and, and we kind of have it too. Um, so we have these mindsets, these shibboleths that... If they can say that they're red or they're blue or they're Biden or they're Trump or they believe in a certain tax margin uh, that everybody should be forced to uh, observe. You know, if, if we just say the right things, if we have the right secret handshake, then, you know, you can be part of our tribe. You can be one of my people. But that's not how it's supposed to be in the church. That's not how it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. Because we, as the church, is the kingdom of God, we are one nation. And that nation is from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And we need to learn to become comfortable with those who are not from our particular corner of the world or our particular political ideology. We, as a church, should be able to welcome individuals who voted for Donald Trump as well as Joe Biden. And don't get me wrong, well, I think it's important that people um, learn to, like, philosophize why they vote a political way. And that, you know, we should consider um, that people who vote for Joe Biden out of X reason or people who vote for Donald Trump out of X reason may be doing so out of a very broken thought pattern. You know, and it's something that may need... Um, suffer from a broken theology or broken philosophy and things that we can discuss and debate about. But just because somebody's blue or somebody's red or somebody votes for Trump or somebody votes for Biden, those sort of things shouldn't be any sort of acid test. They should not be our shibboleth um, as to whether or not they belong in our church in the, the kingdom of God. We need to check our political polarizations at the door. And we should be able to gladly fellowship with those who are from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Because we're going to spend all eternity doing it anyway. So we might as well bring that taste of uh, what's going to happen in the future into the present. And it's supposed to be a reality that we are supposed to experience as, as Christians in the here and now. And we do that and we're able to experience that because our confession as Christians is not whether or not you voted for Trump or Biden, whether you're red or blue, whether you're American or European or whatever your sort of identification is. For we as Christians ultimately gather around the throne of Jesus for worship. And our confession is not red or blue or Biden or Trump or white or black or Republican or Democrat. Our confession is that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And from that confession, from that belief that we all gather around as we gather around the throne of Jesus to worship him for all eternity, it is from that we pursue the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace and love. 
But that's so hard to do because we like our polarization. We like being tribalistic. We like being in our respective camps. We like being around other people who are just like us. And it makes us uncomfortable to be around those who don't say the same things, who don't pronounce shibboleth the way that we pronounce shibboleth. We prefer that. So instead, we need to be a people who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God raised him from the dead. And as a result of that, we're going to pursue, because of the Holy Spirit that has been given into the the heart and life of Republicans and Democrats and Biden supporters and Trump supporters, the same spirit that is in them is in me. And when we learn to recognize the, the spirit of Christ alive in a brother or a sister who's from another tribe, nation, or tongue. It's kind of hard not to like them. Or it's no longer hard to like them because we recognize, hey, I see, I see something of Jesus in you. I see something of Jesus in you and therefore I can like you. I can not only like you, I can love you. I can consider you my brother and recognize you as part of the kingdom of God. And that I'm going to Pursue those things which make for your building up instead of your tearing down. I'm no longer going to sit there and slur you as some sort of, you know, draconian sort of individual or some sort of libtard or some other sort of slur that we throw around, you know, about those who we don't like from all the other tribes, nations, and tongues of the world, from other political parties. For we as Christians are trying to put on the unity of the Spirit, the common recognized Spirit that we recognize in other brothers and sisters in Christ as we pursue the things that make for peace and the acting out of love. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, Jimmy'sTable.com, episode 166, One Tribe from Every Tribe, nation, and tongue. I hope this uh, has resonated with you and helps you maybe understand a little of my intro, a little more about why I identify as politically homeless, because I believe ultimately the politics of Jesus is too big for Republicans or Democrats, and that have given the opportunity, Republicans and Democrats, socialists and capitalists, red or blue, Biden supporters or Trump supporters, whoever they are and however we cut it up, They would all be happy to crucify Jesus afresh if given the opportunity. (laughs) And as a result, I can't can't identify with any political party. And uh, I find my political party, my affiliation, my loyalty ultimately growing increasingly more as the days go by. As being found in King Jesus and gathering around his throne. And you know what? I hope you find the same identification and do so as well. If you've enjoyed this podcast, email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com. I'd love to have a conversation about you, or if you, uh, or not about you, <laughs> uh, with you, um, or if you want to reach out through Facebook, Twitter, or heck, if you know me, phone calls, text messages, all that fun stuff. I'm always available to the best of my ability. Um, if you haven't had the opportunity to, to leave your glowing, extreme um, five-star review, uh, I hope you do so at places like Apple and Spotify. And I think even on Amazon, you're allowed to leave reviews. I'm not 100% sure. 
Um, and if you haven't had the opportunity yet to subscribe to the Jimmy'sTable.com podcast, which comes out almost on a weekly basis, uh, almost missed this week's because of a lot of things going on in my life, but go to Jimmy'sTable.com slash subscribe and you can find your favorite way to subscribe to this podcast um, if you haven't found so already. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, Jimmy'sTable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Take care, everybody. God bless. Have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.